2020 was one of the warmest years on record. Carbon dioxide levels in the air are at their highest in 650,000 years. Climate change could be irreversible by 2030. What can you do about this? This is a question that You Change Earth is attempting to answer. You Change Earth was built to empower people and give them the solutions, information, and support to act effectively in tackling climate change. With questions about your career level, home situation, employment situation, and more, You Change Earth gives you climate actions tailored for you. This tool exists to help you find what you want to do for our climate and help you find communities to continue your journey as a planet-positive citizen. Welcome to Operation Climate, the one-stop shop for environmental issues that matter to Duke and Durham community members. We're a podcast run by Duke University students aiming to inform and empower Duke at large to create lasting change in the fight against climate change and environmental degradation. This season, we're focusing on climate activism and activism in general. My name is Catherine. I'm Ryan. And we're with Operation Climate. Today, we are chatting with Nicholas and William from You Change Earth. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. All right. So first off, uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, What exactly is You Change Earth? Hi, I'm Will. I work with the team as one of the co-founders. I personally am a New Zealander. So if you can't understand something I say, just put it on half speed. Uh, But I came to the US two years ago. Uh, to start my Duke degree after a couple of years working around technology in San Francisco, London, China. And along that time, had come to read a couple of scientific papers and gone through one of those typical transformations of, oh, no, uh, the climate situation looks shocking. And with that, luckily ended up teaming up with Nicholas and a few people on this team to try to address the fact that we'd seen everyone we knew, so our parents, our families, our cousins, every co-worker I'd ever worked with, except in China, um, ask the question of what can I do and go through these days of inspiration, particularly after documentaries, where they authentically care about getting involved. And then so quickly we see three days later, they might have recommended that content to someone else, but it turns from, from that to nothing. And so people might recycle more and they might consider themselves conscientious about this, but that does so little in the scheme of what we can be doing. And the big shame is that whatever your skills, whatever your time commitment, however you want to get involved or to what little extent you do, there are a lot of things you can do that suit you besides just changing your LED light bulbs. And then there's so many things you can do with your time or skills. And so we've ended up, over the last year, it's been, we've tried to build a platform that answers what you can do about climate change. That has been fraught with many different challenges. Uh, individual action is a very, very hard component to build without greenwashing people. But we own our third iteration of the site and then have 12 really passionate, incredible researchers and volunteers who've got us to this point. You said something that interested me. I wanted to touch a little bit on that greenwashing thing that you mentioned. Could you expand on that a little bit more? What exactly does that mean? So greenwashing as a term, I'm sure there are many interpretations, but we take it to mean that you can give people the feeling of playing their part 
or greenwash them in a way that they feel like they're doing doing well and actually nothing is changing or nothing tangible is happening. So corporations will often greenwash themselves. Look at this program we're doing or we've funded the pandas at the, the $1 million panda World Wildlife Fund. And then in comparison to the fact that they pump out gigatons of CO2 as a massive corporation, that is nothing. Literally 10,000 tons of CO2, which small and medium-sized businesses pump out, is the same social cost of carbon, which is social cost being cost to the world of this ton of carbon, is the same cost of carbon as $1 million, which they paid to a panda. And they've just pumped out 10,000 times that. So greenwashing is pretending that you're green or idea internally feeling that way, i.e. by recycling a lot, when actually it's not making any difference to our planet. Now, uh, we just want to touch a little bit on the perception of climate change and climate action, especially for Gen Zers and college students in particular. So what do you guys feel is the general perception of climate change for Gen Zers? Yeah, um, at Duke, uh, I think we're very blessed to be in a space with a lot of open-minded progressive thinkers and a lot of people accept the fact that climate change is happening. Uh, It's us and we have to make changes to help prevent it. Unfortunately, though, uh, I go back home and I, I live in a rather conservative area and it's a little different. I think it's pretty split. Some of the false narratives uh, that you mentioned earlier with like, oh, the canal is getting cleaner, people stop flying, people stop driving, and oh, it's still one of the hottest years on record. It, it must be fake, right? We did all this and it stopped. So I think there's this gap where you have people that are worried about the climate. There's a good amount of people that are concerned, uh, but you do have this political divide, I guess, uh, that can kind of separate people. But I think it's something that can be overcome pretty easily. Uh, I've had conversations uh, just being back at home over break uh, with a good amount of my friends and have been able to kind of get people moving in the other direction and accepting the reality that uh, climate change is real, it's happening and that it is us. Um, So I have a lot of hope for our generation, um, but I think it just just needs to happen through uh, conversation and um, being open-minded, but a good amount of hope. Something that worries us as as a group of climate activists, it does part. It falls outside of our remit because our remit with You Change Earth is we help you once you're inspired to take those actions and find where you fit. But something that does worry us is from all socioeconomic backgrounds, and both the team is spread out across eight geographies, and it's a lot more than just Duke students or the limited representation we have on this call. Um, but the arguments in different areas are very different, but all in these different stages of denialism or plausible deniability. I think plausible deniability more so. Dsmog.com or dsmog.blog online has placed out every denialist-esque argument, but is worrying to see people fall back as science establishes itself on the trench just one further back. And there's almost no way to get around that except through long conversations. And even then, often people will dig their heels in at one of the trenches. And those trenches, I'm sure you examined when this podcast was working on geoengineering, especially because it comes up with a lot of scientific issues. However, it's very important to clarify, I think even to 
to the people I know here in New Zealand. Like if you're about to listen to climate denialists, these are the arguments that you're going to hear. For us, we choose that the only way that we can influence that is not by arguing about the trenches, but either pre-clarifying them to people who may fall into that logic. So people who are inclined towards climate change, but may hear someone from Fox News speak and it sounds very convincing at these different levels, or um, we just focus on the people who care and moving them to action. Because honestly, with the sheer amount that we can each do, if we can get the 52% of people that Yale surveyed and show care about the climate, that's all we need to enact massive change. Yeah, so you mentioned being able to help those who are inspired to take action. I understand that's like the purpose of you changers. What results have you guys seen from this project? We've done 30, about 30 grand in revenue for the climate. And that is, okay, we've reduced that amount of carbon use just off the people who have told us this is what I'm changing. And so that's three people changing to solar panels. And then a few people have gone through and incidentally are copywriters who ran over the site saying they've changed this, this, and this about their lifestyles. And so we equate that to carbon, put it at a conservative cost of carbon at $50 a ton, and then internally go, cool, at about a week of work, that's been 30 grand. But everything leading up to now, it has been testing, has been seeing, are we doing something that's worth putting in front of tens and hundreds of thousands of people? And we think so. We're very, very happy with the content. But also there are, there are a lot of climate action platforms that have been coming through, especially through COVID. There are about two veins of them in particular that we've met and down our vein, like the exact flow that we take people through. So the questions through the dashboard and the way we engage others may not work. And so in the next six months, we're figuring that out because individual action is a very, very hard problem. And there's almost no way to see until you're testing with tens of thousands of users. But that's, that's us at the moment. Uh, we think we've got the ultimate climate guides and we've spent a year engaging with experts and professionals for 16 different facets of climate change, from how to change your career to how to use your voice as an employee. We only have four individual action points. One's to use your finances, whatever your financial state, just orienting things like your 401k for Americans, um, solar power, your home, home efficiency, and green your diet. I wanted to touch on this idea of individual action versus, you know, systemic change. And I think the pandemic has brought to light a lot of these issues. You know, with the onset of the pandemic, we did see a large decrease in greenhouse gas emissions, but we found out that that is entirely not enough to meet Paris Agreement goals, you know, even with all these individuals staying at home and limiting their own consumption. And so from that, we I think we saw firsthand how much these polluting industries and corporations have an impact on climate change. And I feel like uh, that may have discouraged individuals from, you know, individually leading a sustainable lifestyle. But we don't we don't want to discourage that because that is still like an awesome thing to do. So my question for you guys is, what would you tell those individuals who may be discouraged about individually leading a sustainable lifestyle? Um, why is it important for individuals to have sustainable habits in addition to, you know, keeping these uh, industries and corporations accountable. 
Great question. Thank you, guys. Uh, the one design edit we're making on the product is answering that question for every single person on the site and getting them to buy in on a preset default project for everyone. So this is this is what we need. This is what we need from 3.5% of the population to have a nonviolent revolution that sees the unprecedented change that the IPCC, quote, <laughs> uh, says we need from society. And so the answer to that is by 2050, every community that we're in will need to be will need to be close to net zero carbon emissions. By 2030, we need to get halfway there. And the sooner we can do it, drastically the better results. So a ton of carbon that we reduce now or that our school going carbon neutral and stopping thousands of tons of carbon is far more valuable than doing so in five years. So when you think about that and when you think about this problem is so fundamentally ground up, at least that's you change Earth's belief and approach. And it's also easy to see when you look at how the climate accords have been going, how the Kyoto ones went, how the 1980s went. We go every community around you needs to change. If you have the time to help change that, you can have an immense impact. And join, join us on New Change Earth doing that. Learn how to do that. Join your local communities to get started. And there is a massive amount we can each do because we all need to buy into that. Like so, so many of us need to go, yes, and use our voice. I'm luckily surrounded by a group of seven young New Zealand entrepreneurs at the moment. And I'm prompting all of them to think about how they, how they think about their businesses, carbon impact, and then the companies they engage with too. And it is just using that voice to have more impact than I can this year. So partially it is that every community around you needs to change. And so you can play your role in doing that. Or it is going, hey, this is how you use your voice. Just a couple bullet points that we've very carefully spent time writing out that prompt you to think about what communities you can advocate in or not even push people, but just bring climate into the consciousness and go over the next 10 years, especially that is, we need everyone we can doing that. And so with those two things, that's huge. And then we try to provide tools, resources, and guides to think about if you want to get more engaged, here are the different ways you can. And I hesitated there because it's not your, it's not your job. It's not your role. It is entrepreneurs and business leaders and politicians we need to be carefully thinking about how we make all the systems underneath us sustainable um, and pro-climate before the science shows us that we are, in New Zealand, would say munted. <laughs> uh, but if you want to get involved, we need you. And so we show the guides for the people who want to get involved, whether that's local political action or those changing those communities, whether it's just being aware of your community's need changing and you can use your voice, or whether you want to specifically join, if you're a designer, like climatedesigners.org and go spend your time volunteering for companies accelerating this transition. Uh, you talked a lot about uh, providing advice for people. So what advice would you give to our students, to our listeners who maybe aren't self-proclaimed climate activists, who don't know much about environmentalism? How could they get started on their climate journey? That's a guide that we put off developing until right now. Um, but up to now, we have said, okay, read Davis Wallace Wells' Uninhabitable Earth article. It's an incredible, incredible article. And then after you've read that article, come to youchangeearth.org and go through what can I do. By then, we will have the student's guide up. And then the two salient points in that will be, hey, you can consider committing your career to climate change generally. Here's the fundamental ways that you use your voice. Or here are a couple of resources to learn more if you want to. You don't need to consider yourself a climate activist, but once you read that piece and hopefully once you come on the site, 
there are a lot of ways you can simply bring up climate into consciousness. And that is the biggest thing you can do. Over the next 10 years with your parents, with any business leaders you talk to, with nonprofits you're engaged in, simply bringing up, have we thought of the carbon impact of this? And hey, we need to be net neutral by 2050 is huge. And your voice is needed. And we would love to have your voice in this conversation and in this movement. And so our closing question, this is something that we're asking all of our interviewees this season. What does activism mean to each of you? Working with um, everyone on the You Change Earth team has given me a pretty different perspective from what I originally thought activism might have been. I think when I first started learning about uh, climate change, activism seemed to me like something where it's, oh, you're going to go out and you're going to pick it and you're going to go to a climate rally or something like that. And it seemed more of um, trying to influence others. And obviously that's, I still hold that belief, but um, also just changing your own habits. And I think in changing things in your lifestyle, they have an influence on others that you might not realize. Uh, And I feel like you can very easily passively be an activist. There's a number of choices that you can make, whether that's just having a conversation with someone being like, Hey, this really matters to me. The earth is something that I care about the health of our planet, the health of the people inhabiting it is super important to me. This is why, let me explain it to you. This is the science that matters to me. And whether that's just a quick conversation with a family member who is interested in the climate and is worried about what's happening, or if it's with someone that's not just being able to speak to that and give people your perspectives and just, um, hopefully be able to influence others, whether that's actively through using your voice or passively through changing your own lifestyle and just showing how feasible certain things are and how you can make a lot of change uh, without having to change too, too much in your life. I feel like there's some sacrifices that people can make that are beneficial to your health on an individual level, but then also can benefit the planet. For me, I think activism is a fraud term. For, for some groups of the population, for some, for some people who care about our planet a lot, because I think inherently it's pushing, pushing a boundary. And so Instinct, Extinction Rebellion did that incredibly well in the UK and annoyed millions of people too. <laughs> but a lot like Bernie Sanders, and none of these references are particular endorsements, <laughs> uh, but he's pushed the envelope of what, what is acceptable conversation. And so did the original Green New Deal from AOC. And so I see activism as that. One definition of activism is what we're trying to get the entire population to do. And it is the much more approachable bringing net value to society activism. I'm not saying those guys didn't, but every one of us, even if you dislike the term activism, should be an activist because you don't need to force anyone. You don't need to do anything except bring up the causes that you care about. And we'd love to show you how to do so on You Change Earth, but fundamentally we'd love you all to mention how important climate is to you in these decision-making rooms that matter. And even if it's just mentioning it, you don't need to push people, but it has a huge, huge impact. So that's what we're trying to encourage. Whatever type of activist you'd like to be, even if you'd like to do it in the most hands-off way, feel free to either go on our site or reach out to me personally at will at youchangeearth.org. That's email will at youchangeearth.org or team at youchangeearth.org or alec at youchangeearth.org. 
and we'd be happy to personally help you see how you can get involved. Thank you guys so much again. Uh, that was Nick and Will from You Change Earth. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. The consequences of climate change are serious. Like Will and Nick described, getting involved as early as possible can do a great deal for climate action. We hope you'll check out all the resources that You Change Earth has provided on youchangeearth.org so you can get started on your own climate journey. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Operation Climate. Make sure to subscribe to stay updated about future episodes. For more information on who we are, what we're doing, and a full transcript of this episode, visit our website at bit.ly slash Operation Climate Podcast to learn more. This was Catherine and Ryan. We'll see you next time.